Welcome to Light of Christ. I'm your host, Jennifer Drow, Senior Director of Communications for the Diocese, and today we have a special treat. Master pianist, composer, inspirational speaker, Eric Janis, a family man who's dedicated his life to music and ministering to people in prison, helping them find beauty, hope, and God's love again. Eric, thanks for joining us. It is an honor. Thanks for having me on. You've toured all over the world, Eric. I read that you do nearly 100 concerts a year. Is that right? Usually it's a little more. What I end up doing, to be honest, is I end up playing more than one show a day, sometimes two, sometimes three shows a day. So it ends up being closer to about 100, between 125 and 150 shows a year. You were just telling us that you just spent some time in a, in a youth prison in Georgia. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I played... See, here's the thing. We live in a culture, and, you know, that is, you know, we sort of think everybody thinks like us, or everybody has the same exposure stuff. I'll never forget one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had was with my son. My son was in university at the time, and he was away from home, and I was touring where he was. And, and so I, I, I played my concert, then I went and we had, you know, dinner at midnight or something. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and he said, you know, I, I had just played a youth prison that afternoon. And he said, well, Dad, you know, they have all made their own choices. And I'll never forget my son saying that, because in his mind, um, educated mind, smart guy, good thinker, he made the conclusion that all these people have had choices to make. They made their choices, and they're sort of paying for their choices. And when I, you know, when I sort of reminded him, you know, that when he went, uh, you know, when he was young and you know, he was taking cello lessons and he was homeschooled for part of his life and and, you know, sort of protected a little bit from some of the darker aspects of culture. This poor boy that I played for in the afternoon who was in the youth prison, this poor boy, you know, he was, when he was three, someone kicked in the door of his uh, of his home and came in and shot his father right in front of him. And when he was eight, the same thing happened to his brother. They were walking down the street and, you know, someone had, you know, saw his brother and, and, and shot his brother right in front of him. And then later on, he was invited to be in gangs. He turned it down. Then he was pinpointed to be, you know, part of the uh, initiation for a gang. So he decided to join the gang, and then he committed a crime. And there he was mm-hmm. in youth prison, the same age as my son. So it's very tough. It's very sad. A lot of these children, I performed um, in, uh, in in the Georgia Youth uh, Detention Center. A lot of them, I'll give you an example. One of the uh, One of the boys there. When several years ago, he's now 19. When he was 11, his mother dropped him off at the hospital and just never came to get him. That was it. Just never came to get him. Now, that kind of story happens all the time. You know, a lot of these poor children grow up not knowing one of their parents, and some of their parents have addiction issues. And so they grow up in very compromising situations. So we have to just sort of do all we can to use the the gifts that, that we're given, the gifts that God has given us, to, to use them to the full extent that we can to bring hope and to bring joy and to bring peace and to bring goodness and to bring inspiration into their lives. Do you think, Eric, that you changed your son's mind that day? Yes, absolutely. My son is very motivated to uh, to come in as much as possible, you know, and to, I mean, he's got a lot of gifts and talents himself. So he's very motivated to do as much ministry as possible to people who are broken. When and why did you begin playing in prisons? What changed in your life that really plugged you into that? When I was young, um, when I started composing music when I was a young, young, young child, like, you know, six. 
my teacher, fun, fun little story here. My teacher would hand me, you know, some Beethoven and I would think, well, why would I play Beethoven when I can write my own? <laughs> so I'm very fortunate. I get to tour around and perform with world-class soloists, like people who can solo on any stage in the world. So if you can imagine people who are, you know, good enough to solo on these great concert halls, and then now they're 10 feet away from an inner-city school child, or they're 10 feet away from a prisoner. Like, it's amazing, because you can almost feel the wood shake from their instrument, and it's exciting. And so, and so I promised myself when I was very young, and I promised our Lord when I was very young, that I would never say no. Because people, in order to hear someone as good as the musicians I bring in, people are paying hundreds of dollars to sit hundreds of feet away. And I thought, that's never right. If you want to inspire people, you have to bring... See, here's my thought. When it comes to, to the human condition, it's not just a matter, Jennifer, of, oh, well, let me go in and distract them for an hour. That's not it at all. There's, or go and entertain them for an hour. Jennifer, there are people who can entertain far better than I can. The whole purpose of my work is not just to go in and entertain, but to go in and through beauty, uplift. One of the last times I was at a prison near Orlando, it was really, this story moved me. I mean, I've played thousands of prison shows now. And, you know, here I was playing, and this one man was stoic. The whole concert didn't laugh, didn't clap, nothing. And at the end of the show, he walks up to the microphone, during question period, and he said, I've had no control over my emotions the last hour and a half. He said, what is this? And the psychologist told me, a psychologist came and said, I've been trying to get him to speak for three years. I haven't got a word out of him. How do we get, How did you get this man to speak after an hour and a half? Now, in all honesty, Jennifer, it's not me. What it is is the human heart is meant for beauty. It's just the way we are. We are meant to be inspired and uplifted through beauty. Beauty plays such a role in the formation of the human condition, and yet we don't realize it. And a lot of the time we'll say, yeah, oh yeah, I agree, I agree, I agree. But in reality, if we really did understand the importance and the impact of beauty, we would be bathing these children in beauty. There was a, a gentleman who recently got out and he said, oh, Eric, he said, I just want you to know you came to my prison five years ago and he named it. And usually I would think, no, I, you know, I wouldn't remember because it was so many prisons ago and I am over 50 now. So the memory's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the brain left the building, Jennifer, and I just forgot to look for it, you know, as long so as you anyway. can still play music, we're good. <laughs> Somehow I remember every note. Everything else I just forget, you know. So anyway, um, it was so it was so great. This one man, he he said, you know, he came five years ago and he mentioned mentioned the name of the prison. I remember that concert because there was a very famous, very very famous inmate in that sitting in the front row. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so anyway, he said I was checked out. He says because in prisons, um, the the suicide rate is staggering. Yeah. The attempt and the fulfillment is staggering. It's, it's, it is really, I, you know, I, I prefer not to sort of focus on that, but sure. people are giving up left, right, and center. And so he, this man had given up. He was ready to sort of take action. And what happened was, uh, he said, oh, the music just uplifted me. And he said, it gave me all I needed to do to carry on. He said, because all my friends had already checked out. And so it was really, really great. So he called me because I'm very exposed. I mean, I give them brochures with my business address and my business phone number. 
and they call me and when and they write to me and I offer free CDs to their family. So I get their family. I get thousands of letters from inmates every year and I'm giving off free CDs to their families every year. Um, just for, and it's, it's a great tool because families that haven't spoken in, in ages. I remember this one man called me up and said, I haven't spoken to my son in 11 years. I got your CD out of the blue because the son wrote me and said, send, send a CD to my dad. I did. They're now talking, and it's just great. So, How you know, special. there's just, yeah, there's so much that can be done to inspire, and there's a lot of dark corners. So really, Jennifer, in the one sense, it is about prisons. In another sense, it's not at all about prisons. This is what they do, is they te- because the prisons are the ugliest places on the planet, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing inspiring. If I go into your home and I see pictures of you and your family, it's inspiring. The colors, the flooring, the, the molding, the pictures, all that is inspiring. It uplifts our human condition. And there, prisons are so ugly. There is nothing Nothing beautiful, nothing inspiring, nothing uplifting, nothing that you would say raises their dignity, the way they dress, the way the guards talk to them, the way they talk to the guards, the way they mm-hmm. talk to each other. It's all low. And so when they're, when they're moved by something on a high level, like these musicians I bring are, are phenomenal, they react and they react in ways often that they can't control. So men will cry. Men in super maximum security prisons that are locked away 23 of the 24 hours a day cry, but they don't want people to see them cry, so they walk out. Like, it's just, it's amazing. But this shows you that beauty is meant to move the heart. And very fittingly, you call these uh, concerts for hope. I, I watched a video where you stayed after the concert to answer every single question and hug each prisoner as they left the room, treating them with respect, addressing them as sir, and you saw the person and, and not an offender. It's, it's truly remarkable and not something that many people could or would do. Where do you draw the strength from for this ministry? Yeah, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great question. So first thing that um, I, I try to remember is that all these men, all these women that I've performed for, they, they all have souls. And so in God's eyes, there is absolutely no difference between them and me. I've done things I regret, and so have they. Now, the fact that, you know, to a certain degree I can read about them on Google doesn't make them any less dignified because their their sort of faults or their shortcomings have been made very public. And some of them have done very tough things. However, if we look at our own faith in with regards to mercy, I look, I, I, I think, okay, well, you know, God needs to be merciful to me. God needs to be merciful to them. Okay, so let's work together and just try to uplift each other and then give our Lord the best version of both of us. It's the kind of thing where God has given us all gifts. And the purpose of our gifts, I believe, is to share them with the world for the purpose of giving glory to God and whatever that may be. Like, I'm, I have music. That's all I've got. So my hope is to use that to uplift other people. And then life is short, Jennifer, and then we die. You know, yeah. and that's not a negative. That's just the way it is. Use your gifts, use your talents, you know, get out there and do all you can to uplift those who are down, to uplift those who are beaten. And so that's why I promised our Lord from the very beginning, I will play for everybody. And so when I look at these inmates, um, there's all, there's, I, I never, I mean, we've all been affected by criminality. My family has as well. 
right? So we've been, you know, victims. Many people have been victims of different people's crime. So you have a choice. You can sit back and be bitter, or you can go out and do something to uplift. And, and so that's in terms of where I get the strength. It's just a recognition that our Lord has to be merciful to me. And to those who have been given opportunities and those who have been given gifts and talents that, that, you know, well, those who have been given much go out and give much. And so that's what I'm trying to do. So in God's eyes, I, I look and I think, help me to see everybody through your eyes, Lord. That's the goal, is to look at them in a way that's dignified, beautiful, loving, and where there's hope in everybody. So unless our Lord has given up on them, I'm certainly in no position to give up on them. And as far as our faith teaches us, our Lord hasn't given up on them. So I just go and play. Amen. It's uh, it's certainly wonderful, and it was quite moving just to watch. Um, you have a quote on your website from actor Jim Caviezel, the star of The uh, Passion of the Christ. He says your music conveys hope and the power of the human spirit. How did you cross paths with Jim? Oh, that's, uh, that's a great story. So um, Jim and his wife were very involved with... Um, well, they used to be. I, I, they may still be. I, I don't know. But um, with pro-life issues, they've always been very faithful, always been very pro-life. And um, I was invited to come and perform as a fundraiser for um, for their their gala. And we, we got to be friends. And so, um, you know, the, one of those first concerts was a private concert in their home. And, um, so it went, it went very well. Jim was very complimentary and I'm very, you know, very honored that he would say such nice things about my work. Um, so yeah, so I, I play, um, at their home and, and that's where we got to meet. And then I went on to do some pro-life work with them. That's very special. What, yeah. is, what is your vision for the future of Concerts for Hope? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the there's a, a sort of a cute little short answer i don't know and then the longer <laughs> answer to keep doing what i'm doing times 10 um here's how i look at it i'm 53 and i will play one day i know it's going to come to an end and until it does i'm going to give every note i can my goal and why i say what's the future for concerts for hope i don't know well it seems like maybe you don't have to know god knows and you're just doing what you do and it's working out beautifully that's exactly it, Jennifer. I got, I mean, I can make the plans, but ultimately God takes, God takes this in so many different directions. So off I go, you know? So you write that you especially love live events. What is it about the connection with the audience in that setting that really uh, gets to you? Okay. First of all, and this is a horrible thing to say, but I really think that music was never meant to be recorded. I understand the purpose <laughs> of recordings and all that. And, and, you know, here I am saying that, and then, you know, I'm going to try and go and sell CDs later. <laughs> so what a terrible hypocrite. But, um, you know, here's the reality. The reality is there is that there is absolutely no substitute for There's a certain breath. There's a certain excitement. There's a certain energy. There's a certain live, um, something alive about a live performance. So when you're like hearing this amazing fast violin virtuosic playing and you're watching this person play 10 feet away, it is, it is thrilling. It is exciting. People will come and say, after a show, they'll say, you know what? From the, from the third note in, I was just riveted. Well, you know, I, 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 I listen to that and you, you're not going to get that from a CD. You're not going to get that from a DVD. There is something very engaging about live. That's why, you know, wherever I go, um, and, and 100% of my show is live. There's nothing pre-recorded. There's nothing 
auto-tuned. There's none of that stuff. It's just live. And so to take a world-class cellist, violinist, and a vocalist, and I'm on the piano, to go in these places and play, there's an excitement that is impossible to sort of communicate. So I get strong, rea- very strong reactions, like from like in these prisons, this one man stood up and threw up his arms and he yelled out, I forgot what hope felt like. Another man the other night says, I spent thousands of dollars going to New York to hear Caliber not as good as this. He says, I've never been more moved in all my life. That's the goal. So where does your music come from? Where do you draw inspiration for the songs that you compose? Um, that's a great question. So in, in concert, and, you know, I, I really hope you're able to attend one of the shows, whether it's in a prison, if you can come in, Jennifer, come to the prison shows when I'm in, in, uh, in Orlando. They're, they're really exciting. Um, all my songs have themes. So I'll give you an example. I, we had a, one of our sons was born and lived for four hours and then died. So I wrote just, um, I wrote a piece to him. We have a, do- a beautiful daughter with Down syndrome. Now Iceland just announced that by 2030, they want to be Down syndrome free. In this country, um, you know, less than 10% kind of make it out alive, if you will. So there's, there's, you know, so I talk about this yet when Hitler spoke of these, you know, these atrocities, when he mentioned about, you know, you know, about the disabilities and he commented on them and he acted on them, um, you know, we called those actions monstrous. And we said, this is, he's a monster. And not mm-hmm. that I would agree with calling anybody a monster. But in reality, how is it that we've gone from calling someone a monster who had these ideas and then, you know, 70 years later, we're calling the same acts compassion? Um, it's not right. So I look at this. And this is absolute profiling. I think everyone would agree that profiling is bad. You can't look at somebody and say they look like this. Therefore, they're going to behave like that. That's wrong. Sure. And we'd all agree with yeah. that. Well, that's exactly what's happening here, and that's exactly what Iceland is doing. So it's wrong. So I wrote a song about my daughter, beautiful daughter with with Down syndrome, and I play it every show. Um, another show, I, another concert, uh, sorry, piece I have is called Mercy. So I speak about mercy, but from the from mercy, from the aspect that mercy is probably the toughest thing, humanly speaking, to ever do to show compassion and mercy when someone is offended, hurt, or cheated us is very. Um, it's superhuman, if you will. And yet we're really called to do it. And yet you sort of, we, you know, unless we really focus on it, I would say most of us walk around our, our, our lives and we have grudges and we carry grudges against people and we don't even know it and we're not even aware of it that there is such a lack of forgiveness. So I talk about it in a very non-judgmental way. I just sort of throw ideas out there about what, what encouraged me to write the piece. And then we perform it. Coming up at the end of this podcast, we're going to play your song, The Hunt. Yep. Tell us where that originated from. That's Yeah, The Hunt. So The Hunt is a piece that is full orchestra. It's a, so in concert, what you're going to hear with The Hunt is similar to what we would hear with, um, you know, it's a full orchestral piece that you would hear in concert, just piano, violin, and cello. And The Hunt is sort of a constant battle with all of us, Jennifer. It's the kind of thing where um, it's, I wrote it when my when my boys, my boys are now 24 and 23, when my sons were a little younger, um, you know, sort of going through um, their, their sort of teenage questioning and, you know, what are we doing and who are my friends and what is the appropriate behaviors. And I saw them, you know, we, we from the time they were very young, we always had what was called scenarios. I would talk to them about different scenarios that are going to happen and how they should handle them. And so 
I noticed that when they were a little older, they weren't handling them all that well. Mm-hmm. And so we sat down and we talked about what it means. You know, the hunt is, you know, our Lord wants our souls. And this is, you know, but there are many who sort of um, compromise in different ways. And we must always cling. And so we must always cling to God through prayer, through sacraments, through humility, through charitable works. And so it's just, you know, the, the, the hunt for our souls is always present. We must always be mindful to it. Where did your love for the faith come from? Were you um, raised in a very devout Catholic family? or I go to Mass. I try to go to daily Mass when I'm on the road. It doesn't always allow for it. And I try to get to the sacraments as much as possible. Why? Because I need God. That's the only reason. I absolutely need God. I love my faith, Jennifer. I love it. Why do I love my faith? Because when you look at even, um, you know, I played in that, that school in Georgia. That school in Georgia was founded by, you know, St. Catherine Drexel. So it's, I just look and think about all the, the beautiful saints that have come and started orphanages and loved people enough to start schools and start universities and hospitals. I love my faith because it, it leads us to charity, which leads us out of our ourselves, if you will, into really being in union with our Lord. It's such a beautiful invitation to have an encounter constantly with Almighty God through prayer, through sacraments, through, through charitable works to others. I love my faith, but I need God. My favorite mystery of the rosary, um, again, very simple here, you know, it's the presentation of our Lord. When you think about how many people walked by Christ on those steps and didn't recognize him, they were too busy, they were too this, they were too that, they were too discouraged, or they were too distracted, or they had bigger things and more important things to do, and they missed it. And I think, I don't want to miss it. So speaking of something you don't want to miss, Eric, you're going to be performing at Holy Family Parish here in Orlando on the 24th of January. What can people expect um, if they go to that concert? Oh, it's going to be awesome it's going to be really exciting um so it's i'm really looking forward to that show it's going to be a great concert first of all you're going to see a world-class violinist cellist and a vocalist and then i'm the pianist so there's going to be four of us performing there's going to be a lot of stories so i'm going to be talking about music and there's going to be a lot of um uh a lot a lot of humor there's going to be a lot of well let's say attempts at humor okay (laughs) so (laughs) so there's going to be a lot of humor um a lot of stories about families a lot of stories about the prisons so the things that I see when I go in and, and, and there's, there's question and answer, there's going to be fast and furious playing, and there's going to be, you know, gentle playing. A lot of people would say, oh, but it's, it's sort of classical-ish music. No, it is not. It is not classical music. Classical music was Beethoven, was Haydn, was Mozart. I'm living now. They lived then. Classical music is a time period, really. Mm-hmm. Here, I, I write music that is classical in form, but has a modern feel. So... I go into a youth prison, you think, well, they're not going to relate to this music. They love it. They love it. People who don't know a violin from a hockey stick, they love it. I get letters all the time from people in youth prisons. Oh, I love the cello. I love the violin. Can you send my mom a CD with the violin? And so um, so people think, oh, well, I'm not going to bring my children because they won't relate to it. They absolutely will. Bring your children. Bring your, your, bring your children. doesn't matter how old. Bring your babies. I'm not, if, if they cry, it doesn't bother me. Like, cool. it's meant for families. <laughs> this is not, 
one of those, you know, it has to be silent concerts at all. In fact, I have four of my own children. If it's too silent, I'm distracted. So <laughs> it, the, the, the purpose of the music is to uplift the family, bring the family. It doesn't matter if the children cry. Don't worry about it. It's not going to bother me. But just come. You can find Eric anywhere you stream music, and you can download his albums on his website, ericgenis.com. Eric, it's really been a true pleasure speaking with you today. Me too, Jennifer. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Light of Christ. Eric's song, The Hunt, is next. <laughs>